Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Ninth Wonder, and tonight's guest, Terrace Martin. You're right there. That's what. Am I right here? Hello, everybody. Throwing up the W. Okay. How's everybody doing? Everybody's good. I've done this. Uh, I've done this event a couple of times, but I was sitting over there instead of sitting here. So this is the first time me moderating. So I'm gonna put on. Some of y'all know that I teach at a university. So I'm gonna put my teaching hat on for a second and my speaking voice on to talk to this man beside me, who I met. How long I've been knowing you, man? Well, like a few years now. Like a few years. Uh, a friend of mine, um, DJ friend of mine by the name of DJ Cousin B, came to me and said, man, you got to work with this cat. He just did a joint with Pete Rock, and, and he's crazy. He's a, he plays sax. He plays everything he gets his hands on. I said, who is this cat? He said, Terrace Martin. So I said, okay. So we met at Rock the Bells. What, Los Angeles, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm, okay. You, want, you might want to use a microphone. Um, <laughs> but no, seriously, uh, talented brother. Um, we've done a lot of music together. Please give it up for the incomparable Terrace Martin. The one thing we have in common is we are both in the heart of hearts. We are both band geeks. How many band geeks do we have in here? Been a former band geek, and, and it's okay. I play clarinet, it's fine, it's no problem. Um, but the way I was introduced to music was for, through my sixth grade band teacher, Mr. Charlie Thompson. But Terrace Martin's introduction to music is way deeper than, than I could ever imagine and ever was uh, uh, exposed to. Talk about growing up and your fabulous parents that are musicians themselves. Well, for those of you that, just in case you don't know, I'm, I'm from Los Angeles, California. Um, I'm not from the outskirts of Los Angeles. I'm really from Los Angeles, California. Crenshaw and Slauson area. The sound. Um, are you guys familiar with a guy named Nipsey? Yeah. Nipsey also? Okay, well, we grew up in a, on the same block and whatnot. Me, Nipsey, and then Corrupt grew up about a few blocks down. He was a little older. But I'm from Los Angeles, and, you know, just a, a real fast history. A lot of people think L.A. is just known for, like, you know, the whole gangster rap scene, N.W.A., that whole umbrella, uh, Rodney on Joe Cooley, then in W.A., and Easy and Snoop and everything, which that is a big part of the hip-hop culture in Los Angeles. But, but you know, if you go back even deeper, Los Angeles birth, birthplace, birth people like um, Patrice Russian. You guys familiar with her? You know, and if you guys are familiar with Patrice Russian and dig deep, you know, Patrice Russian is really responsible. Like, you know, when you see a, you know, when you hear a, I tell folks all the time, when you, when you hear that first Jill Scott record or when you hear the early D'Angelo records, you know, a lot of the way that, you know, cats like James Poyser and a lot of other cats are playing on them records is the style of Patrice Russian, which comes from Herbie Hancock originally, you know. So my family was very involved in a lot of those era, that, that era, like the late 70s and early 80s of records and everything. Because my mother's a songwriter and my father is a jazz drummer and a producer, you know. My mom wrote a lot of songs for... Anita Baker, like Ben, so long caught up in a rapture of love, and you know, just a, a ton of Anita Baker records. And you know, my father's played for everybody, like Cannonball Adderley, Herbie Hancock, McCoy Tyner, and everything. So I grew up in a house of 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 that that kind of thing, hella soul music, super jazz and gospel, and and then everything. Um, when I was coming up young, it wasn't a lot of rap being played 
in the household because my parents are from an older generation where to them rap wasn't going to last hip-hop was going to die and rap was trash and rap was doing this and you guys are doing nothing but doing what we did blase 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 but that was the music of, of my time but i still studied the earlier cats and everything like that you know so just growing up in a household to where anywhere from luther vandross to gladys knight and then sonny stitt to charlie parker to Eddie Cleanhead Vincent, to a few other well-known jazz artists was played, and funk and pop and gospel and jazz and everything else was played. I just kind of bodied all that stuff in. I just embodied everything and whatnot. But I still didn't understand what was really going on because I actually fell in love with music, fell in love with music through hip hop. I wasn't playing saxophone when I first was, you know, who wants to play the damn horn at seven, eight years old? Right. I wasn't playing the horn. Right. And I was listening to e EPMD right. and all them kind of cats. So that, that's pretty much what it was in my household growing up then. So growing up in the L.A. music scene, which is, L.A. is probably the one place that everyone outside of, you know, we talked about gang culture. Mm -hmm. In the music scene, everybody sticks together. Like, Mad Lib knows King T knows Ice Cube knows Snoop knows it. Everybody sticks together, especially mm -hmm. from the music that the output. Talk about the LA music scene, and also talk about the relationship that, in a lot of ways, I've learned from you mm -hmm. to have a relationship with the '70s artists like the Silvers and 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 you know Quincy Jones. You and Quincy Jones are great friends and. Can you, I mean, you hear what I just said? Him and Quincy Jones. <laughs> I mean, that's the homie. You know what I, I mean? I, I, and all of those people. Q, hello? Oh, no, I'm Okay. Hold. <laughs> okay. Okay, yeah, okay. okay but I'm but sorry, talk about bad. that. Talk about how. Okay, sorry, sorry that, that was Q. Y'all know Q? Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, I'm okay. Keep on. Talk about that, how the elder community, the Silvers, Quincy Jones, the emotions, mm -hmm. some of these people I'm reeling off, that you deal with these people, that you talk to these people, how they influence you in making your music now. Well, first of all, for me, they definitely, all those casts he mentioned definitely really influenced my music. Why? Because I come from a household of that era of music. But what happened was it, like me getting cool with these people wasn't, it wasn't an easy task because like I said, a lot of folks didn't think hip hop was gonna last past two years, a year if not that. So a lot of the older generation for a long time was really kind of bitter and upset at hip hop music. You know what I'm saying? For you guys are stealing and whatnot. And then, you know, it, it, it even just, I still have to convince people that sampling is an art, that doing music, all that is an art. So now, my relationship with them now is pretty cool. With all of them is great. Wait, first of all, Quincy loves everything. He loves hip hop. He because he only believes, and he taught me it's only two kind of music: good and bad. That's why I'm saying hip hop and jazz, but I really stand against putting anything in any box. Only good and bad music. So, but that's probably only him and me that really believe in that whole thing. But then there's other people that, well, you know. Like, uh, speaking about the emotions, um, I, I'm very close with, with, with that family. And we all used to have these arguments when I was like 13, 14 years old. Hip-hop is this, hip-hop is that. And then I had to explain to them, you know, they were like, well, Terrence, you know, you play real music. And you play, and, you know, we respect you because you play. But I had to tell them, like, I wouldn't know hardly any of these cats if it wasn't for Try Call Quest, the Midnight Marauders album. So like, y'all got to thank hip-hop for cats like me even knowing how to even go back and dig deep in the crates to read the credits to know, oh, that's Maurice White. Oh, that's Stevie Wonder playing right. on that record that goes up under a different name. Oh, that's that. So hip-hop brought me to that. So once they figured out that and I started teaching them and showing them different kids, how kids coincide with hip-hop and now kids want to play instruments because 
they hearing these trumpet sounds on. Y'all know that record? Steve Biko. Okay, exactly. So, because that's where that turned me on the horns. Exactly. You know, so then I explained to them, yo, hip hop is very important, especially to the musician, since you don't, they call them not musicians, because that's what turns on our, our my age group to even playing an instrument. Because we all know, like, being, being in the band in my era wasn't the cool shit to do. But we did it because I loved music and I, I didn't mind. And I grew up in the ghetto to where anything other than getting killed was cool for me. Right. So, you know what I'm saying? So I think now a lot of people are starting to understand that. Even, even the Silvers. I've had a few, a few nine encounters with the Silvers personally over sample clearances. Right. And to the point I just had to tell them, like, well, I'll, I'll just replay it. You know what I'm saying? Because I could do that. So I think everything boils out now where everything works out now. So that's, you know. Because you can do that because you can replay how many instruments do you play? That's a hard question. I'll say this. <laughs> no, I'm going to answer why. Other than the saxophone, because that's your main. That's my main. That's your instrument. main. Or, I mean, or, or I, you even go there. Let's talk about the history of your saxophone itself. Okay. What is so special about your saxophone? This, well, I have two. The one you're asking the about. The one I'm asking about, yes. Is not with me, but. Okay. And my, why is it not with you? It's not with me because I got it gold-plated, and I just put it up. It was the saxophone that Jay Leno bought, bought me. Because, you know, growing up, at, at the time I grew up in L.A., like, my mom was a single mom, and I played the horn, but we didn't have a whole bunch of money to get, like, the kind of horn I wanted, which right. was a Selmer Mark VI, but even back then was seven, a $7,000 horn. Right. You know, my mom was only making thirty to 40000 a year. The rent in the apartment was $1,400 a month. The Cardinal right. was, you know, you blah, 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 blah. So... Um, I used to catch the bus up to the Jay Leno show a whole lot when I was younger uh, and look at one of my favorite saxophone players' name is Ralph Moore. And one day after the show, he introduced me to Jay Leno when I was like 14 years old. And Jay Leno just took a liking to me. I always went up to the show. And when I started playing professional, the next time I went up there was with Puff. And then I said, yo, Jay, you remember me? He was like, and I was like, with the rap, he's like, oh, yeah, Terrence, what's up? And I, he's like, what you doing? I said, well, I'm, I'm in 11th grade. I'm filling out applications to go to NYU, to go to uh, Berkeley School of Music, all the cliche schools that they teach us you're supposed to go to to learn how to play this art form called jazz, um, which is not true now that I'm older. But, but for the most part, I said, okay, well, how's it going? I said, it's going kind of cool. I didn't say nothing about it. And then a month later, Ralph Moore called me and said, yo, Jay's doing a scholarship thing. He wants to buy you a horn. And he wants to pay for your full ride wherever college you want to go to. Wow. The full ride. So I, I end up going, I ended up spending two years at CalArts, okay. and then I ended up spending a year and a half at USC, and then I went on tour. Because Roy Hargrove told me, if you finish music school, okay. you're doing something wrong. You're supposed to get a gig. That's right. I wish I would have finished now, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of school, I've been, at, I've been at Harvard University for the last year. Wait, let me, let me stop. Wait, wait can y'all, first of all, Ninth Wonder was teaching at Harvard. Maybe y'all don't know how breakthrough that is. Wait, wait, let me, let me say real fast. In, in jazz and classical music, it's regular for Ron Carter to teach at New England Conservatory and this guy to teach there. But then when you hear a dude from North Carolina that produced one of, one of our historical hip-hop groups of our time named Little Brother teach at Harvard, well, they won't even let me use the fucking bathroom at Harvard, and he's teaching there. I think that's amazing. Can we clap for Knife on the Teaching at Harvard? Thank you very much. I've spent, I spent the last year um, stuttering, stuttering, studying. You didn't sound like I went to Harvard that time. Studying under um, uh, Dr. Henry Louis Gates Jr. And 
one of the things I have the undaunting task of proving to him that sampling is musicianship and that sampling has a, a place in the pantheon of music history. Do you believe that sampling is musicianship? And explain the, un, the importance of understanding music theory when the greats like Pete Rock and DJ Premier and, and the late and great James Yancey, we know him as Jay Dilla, sample. Sampling is, de well first of all, you guys know all those names you just mentioned. Well, let me say this real quick. All hip hop did, all hip hop did, any music, but hip hop, it just replaced the cats that this younger generation is missing. Like we didn't, growing up, I didn't have a Miles Davis. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really have a, a Duke Ellington growing up. But through hip hop, I had a Duke Ellington, you know what I'm saying, by the name of Dr. Dre. Right. You see what I'm saying? Through hip hop, yeah, I mean, I had like a Miles Davis vibe, which was like Easy E, hella smart, cool, fly, soft spoken, but gangster, just like Miles Davis. So all hip hop did, all hip hop did was just hip hop, like Dizzy Gillespie always say, hip hop is the new bebop. You see what I'm saying? So I believe sampling is a very is 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 part of being a musician because some cats do it bad, and some yes. cats do it good. Some you know? cats do it bad, and it's like an instrument. It's like some cats play horrible. People say, you can't say that in this note. Some cats can't play. It's, it's okay. And some cats, you know, when they sample, it's just not well thought. You could just tell, just, oh, I found a loop. I'm going to sample it. But when you get the special cats like the, the, uh, uh, the Dillas, which I knew very closely, the Dillas, the High Techs, the Knife Winners, the Pete Rocks, the Primos, when you get to them cats, and I've, I've said with all of them and looked at them, and it's like the time they take with a record art is the same time me or a Dante or Robert Glasper will take with our instruments too. It's to stay put the same amount of time, the same amount of time in, and that's the music that my gener our generation, my younger, everything grew up off of. So when people say sampling isn't musicianship or isn't this, I always say, why not? Because they're taking the old record. I said, well, I'm, I'm reciting old Charlie Parker licks. I'm reciting John Coltrane licks. So I'm, right. I'm sampling too, but it's different. Why? They don't practice. What you mean? They don't, I'm still trying to learn out. Pete Rock sampled all the Like who thought about that? How did you think like that? Exactly. You genius fucker. That's crazy <laughs> to me. You know, or 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 like the first the, the cat that really the cat that really fucked up a lot of people on sampling the musicians was Jay Dilla. Yes. Because I seen that man do a whole record with a drum machine and play the bass line sample sample. The low end distortion of a record. When you get a record player, you touch a needle, it goes. I saw him go, yo, yo, watch this. Right. I said, oh shit. What are you doing? Oh, wait. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what? What is that? But it's a lot of these records like play up, you know what I'm saying? Like that was that's all MP. You know, he could he he Dilla was so dope. You know, and everybody be Jay Dilla Jay, but I'm I can say this because that was my homeboy. And he was dope. He was so dope, he would pop in a, a zit on that MP and the whole song would come up. A lot of cats that play like me would have to have, let me let me rip five keyboards. Six this, six that to do what he did in the drum machine. To me, that's genius. You get a cat like Knife Wonder, like like Primo is. I love Primo. I love Pete Rock, but you still gotta be like a hip hop head to get into them too. 
you got a cat like him to where I could play his music at my mama house party and fry pork chops and eat chillings too. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm keeping it real because just like jazz, hip hop has become like what I call a museum music in a sense. Right. You know, where it's supposed, it's, it's hip hop, it's deep, and I'm gonna wear vintage this, and I'm gonna wear a little tie, and I'm gonna look fly, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be deep, and I'm gonna be sophisticated hip hop, and I'm gonna buy all the Jay Dilla Greatest Hits records, and buy all the Rest in Peace shirts and everything else because I'm hip hop. Right. That's what hip hop has become. That's right. Unfortunately, but then you get a cat like him, that brings it to the forefront, and now you could dance, ah, you could drink vodka to it and shit, and you feel me? You could turn up to it. So I think that's important in hip hop, and you know. But even going through that with the whole musicianship thing, I think sampling is very is being a musician. If you dope, you dope. If you whack, you whack. So Th- that was dope, huh? You like how I did that? That was hard, huh? That was that was for nine. <laughs> I'm trying to get him to do my whole next record, so I'm smoothing <laughs> right now. So all the things that we previously discussed leads us up to August 13th, 2013. Three chord fold. Three chord fold. Thank you. Thank this is the name of your album that we've talked about for quite some time. Yeah. Oh, wow. That, um, as everybody we discussed, myself, Kendrick Lamar, Absol, everybody, they're just the L.A. family is on that record. Mm-hmm. What is three chord fold? What does that mean to the person that does not know? Three chord fold is three chord. Three chord fold is technically really a biblical term. A three chord fold is uneasily broken. That's you know that's the OG thing. But then I heard some. I didn't hear three chord fold, but I'm gonna get to the title in a minute. But real fast, my mother's a minister in Los Angeles. I know I'm cussing and shit. She's a minister. It's fucking crazy, right? So she's a minister in Los Angeles, and I, I went to her. I got stuck at her Bible study because my car wasn't with me at the time. So I had to listen to the Bible study, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because this particular night, it was a guest preacher, a guest speaker, and he was talking about three characteristics of a relationship. And, uh, you know, he was talking about the – he used all kind of big words and biblical terms. I'll just break it down. Pretty much it came up to he was talking about the freeloader which is somebody that comes into your life and takes, 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 sucks your soul, sucks your vibe, and just leaves you hanging the freeloader. Then it's the renter, somebody that assumes no responsibility, but they're good, they're great, but they're looking for something bigger and better to come around. Just like when you rent an apartment, you have hopes of buying a house. You know, just like when you rent an apartment, when a water heater breaks, you don't fix it, you call the landlord. So you don't really have no attachment to the apartment. You're just there till something better comes along. The same thing with a renter in a relationship. They're just there to something better comes along. And then what you have, you have the buyer, which is somebody that loves you with true agape, which means unconditional love. Like, no matter what. Like, they accept you for your faults. They know the, you know, they understand forgiveness. They understand love is everlasting. Love is patient. Love is kind. So you have these three characteristics in a relationship. And he was talking to, he was talking mainly about family and friends and everything. I just converted it to lovers because I've been with these three people. And I've been, this, I've been these three things to somebody. And everybody in this room has, believe it or not, has been these three things to somebody. Not, sometimes it's not consciously. It's, it's a weird little thing. And everybody probably has experienced these people in their lives or whatnot. The freeloader, the renter, and the buyer. You know right. what I'm saying? So then I um, punch. Uh, 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 hey, that's punch right there, y'all. y'all. Y'all clap a punch. Punch is the executive producer of this record and a good friend of mine. But not only that... He's a very good friend of mine. He keeps everything cool. He's also the president of a, uh, it's a little small indie label. I don't know, called Top Dog Entertainment. You guys familiar with them? 
Please give you it up for TDE, please. Okay, TDE. So that's the president of Top Dog Entertainment, y'all. That's Punch right there. But anyway, you know, me and Punch, we talk a lot. I say, man, Punch, I'm going through this with my girl and this and finance and this and then this, this girl and this and this and this, this, this. I'm trying to come with title for my album and this. And if, if anybody knows Punch, he's soft-spoken. He's a well-thought-out cat. Like, he thinks about, he's probably thinking right now. Before he dials a number, if I call them, what's going to be the plan? So he thinks out. So I'm all hyped, like, yo, this shit is crazy. And I remember I had a tank top on, some swimming trunks, and I had a fucked up hangover. It's early. It's, man, I'm stressing out. I got, I got to do a record. He said, y'all, you should name your record Three Core Four. That's the title. I said, what the fuck you say? Three Core, what, what do you mean? And he broke it down and everything. So once he gave the title, then I started doing the music behind the title. I did something different. I didn't just do random music. I, we did the title, then I did the music, then he came back, put everything in order. So that's where the whole title comes from, you know. And that's the concept. That's why you see me looking all sad. I really am sad, y'all. And that girl, uh, I'm not going to talk a lot, but these two girls, I really be, uh, oh, shit. This, that's a real experience. Just know that's a real experience. You know, that's a real experience. And uh, that's pretty much what it is. That's why you see the triangle and... Three quarter fold. Hey. Please give it up for Terrence Martin, y'all. <laughs> I'm gonna take some questions. Uh good evening, guys. Um wonderful record, by the you way. You talking RB than a motherfucker. Talk louder, I can't. <laughs> what, what'd you say? Uh, good good e uh, good evening. <laughs> it's all good. No, thank you. Um it's a pleasure to be here. I first became aware of you because of uh Knight's album, the star uh, a star you are. Uh, with great record, three chord fold, wonderful album. Over time, my favorite joint on there. What I want to ask you guys is about uh, producers. Um, Ninth, obviously, excellent producer. You, this record is unbelievable. The stuff you did with Kendrick is great. I just want you, the guys, both of you, if you could expound upon the relationship between of producers as far as hip-hop producers and more traditional producers? Like, what are the parallels between, uh, like, a Quincy Jones and a Jay Dilla or a you and uh, Gamble and Huff and stuff like that? What are the similarities between those type of producers and hip-hop producers? You watch sports? Oh, yeah. Okay, who's your favorite team? <laughs> um, the, bu the Bulls. Football. Oh, the Bills. Buffalo. The Bills. Yeah. The Buffalo Bills. Yes. All right. That's why I hesitated. That's why you said, oh. Um, ride or die, ride or die. Producers, producers, the best way I can explain it, music and sports are very much alike. Okay, The best way I can explain it is, no matter what generation of producers you talk to, producers are like quarterbacks. We take the credit for the win, and we take the blame for the loss. If you listen to an album and... First thing said, what the beat sound like, right? Beat's hot. Oh, I got to get it. But if you listen to an album, the beat, what the beat sound like? Oh, the beats are terrible. It's the producer's fault. Or it's the rapper who went to the wrong producers. It's always the producer's fault. So we have to take a leadership role. Sometimes that you don't get to see. Sometimes we have to calm your lineman down. You, you know, get your, your egotistical wide receiver in play. We have to do all of these things, and we have to keep everything under control, and we have to learn the playbook. Most rappers come in, they don't know pro tools from, they just know 
how to record. With producers, we have to know the ins and outs of Pro Tools. We have to know everything, the history of music. How can I borrow from this album and bring it to my album? See what I mean? And so that's the whole relationship. That's the same thing. We have to see everything in the future. As far as with the album, like you said, I once I got the title of my album, I knew what my album wanted to sound like. The same things that not on really not on the same level, but the same things that Quincy Jones went through from coming up with Thriller to sitting down, it's like, okay, how to sequence this album. Okay, this has to go number six, this has to go number nine. I had to do the same thing with the Wonder Year, Wonder Years. He had to do the same thing with three chord folds. It's the same idea. Yeah, that's I mean that's that's pretty much it, you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, like I I I believe it's not a lot of producers left though. My theory is it could be good, you know, a, a true producer has to like like you say foresee things, you know. And a producer has to really understand that the biggest ego in the room is the record. Because like Quincy Jones had like Greg Filling Gangs and Rod Temperton and he had a whole squad for Thriller and he was a producer but he also got with other producers too. You know, because the biggest ego in the room is the record. That's why it's 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 nothing for a Dr. Dre to go get a Scott Storch. It's nothing for Terrence to go get ninth and ninth to come get Terrence because that's real producing. That's just it's just facilitating the situation. You know, from the hi hat to mastering to the people. You know, I, I always tell me and him go back and forth because I'm a producer, he's a producer. We only bump heads is one these things right here. When he'll send me the beat, and I'll do everything. He'd be like, send it back so I can do what I do to it now. I'm like. I just did all my shit to it. But then I got a member, the biggest ego in the room is the record. So I'll be like, <clears throat> I send it back and get it back and be like, oh, okay, I get it. Okay, yeah. So I do my uh, he do his uh, now the record is uh. Star you are, baby. <laughs> uh, what's up, Terrence? Hey, brother. Nice, how you doing? How you doing, brother? Yeah, um, I became a fan of you on the song Thirsty with Kendrick and Sai back in the day. I think that was on Sai's mixtape, I'm not sure. Your mixtape? Was it Sai's mixtape or was it your mixtape? This is random. I just we just threw it out there. Yeah, that song was. I heard that song, and then I heard you on Section 80 on the on Absol's outro. So, I guess my question is, what came first for you? Was it making the beats or or having interest in playing instruments or playing saxophone and like and and how did they lend each, how to how they lend to each other? I guess the first thing that came to me was making beats. Like I said, I wasn't. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't born playing the piano. The first thing that came to me was my first instrument was an SP-1200 when I was nine years old. That was my, my mother saved up a lot of money and bought me the SP-1200. And, you know, my heroes back then was Dr. Dre, Hank Shockley and everything like that. So making beats came first. But like I said, through, you know, like when I got in sixth, seventh grade, that's when Midnight Marauders came out. I'm dating myself, but that's when Midnight Marauders came out. And that's when I got turned on. I li grew up listening to jazz, but I didn't pay no attention to it until... I heard that I heard that Midnight Marauders album, you know. What was that part of the question? I got short span. I'm fucked up. Well, because when I really got when I got and when I got on, when I started working with everybody, I kinda had to sneak in through the saxophone. I had to sneak in and sometime you know, be sometimes you just have to shut up and be the musician and play what they want you to play and look for your open window to say, hey, I, I, I do beats too, you know? But then that is, it's weird, because after you play, they look at you as, oh, you're just a musician. Not knowing that, no, really, I'm the beat guy that ended up becoming the musician, I'm just, this is what I do, you know? So 
they it, it, it helped me out like that. The stacks gets me in a lot of doors. Early early on, a lot of doors that the drum machine wouldn't allow me to get in. Now it's different because now it's okay. But at one point, it wasn't. It really wasn't cool to play. It's just weird. Like it just wasn't cool. That, that's what I thought. Thought was cool, but I guess people thought it wasn't cool. But now it, it helps out. It helps out now when when we got a sample we can't clear and I gotta rewrite it. It helps out when I gotta it say say we sample and I wanna add some onto it. It just it brings it lets the live music coincide more with the whole hip hop tradition and it lets the hip hop tradition coincide more with the live aspect. It brings them both together. Cause you know, you ever go to a hip hop show and it's a live band with no DJ and it don't sound like the fucking record? And I'm a musician saying this, like, yo, like what what is this? But then you go to a live hip-hop show and it's just a DJ with a rapper grabbing his nuts with a mic, and you'd be like, this is whack. That's why the two, that's why they, they're, they're related. They, they, they have to keep talking. Because that's how, think about all the records we love that go, Whoo! it's always the hip-hop and the live element mix. You know, Dr. Dre brought that to the table, though. Yes, he did. What's happening, people? What's um, going on with you? I got to say, first off, um, I've been following y'all careers for a very long time, back from the listening, and you back from Lock High, the first Lock High Signal Flow, Word. Lock High 2808 okay, Sax Breaks. Uh, you, know, uh. you know me through that joint. Yeah. My that's nigga. where you know me from. So, yeah. My nigga. <laughs> yeah. Hold up, dog. This is not. But anyway. Life. My bad. <laughs> so, sorry, y'all. Sorry. But uh, in the, in the apple, I say, um, so. and, I, and I'm quite honored to see you two on the stage um, because I sat here and watched Ninth and Another Man Named Merz make a whole album in my office. They called it Forever. So, right. um, in Inglewood. In Inglewood, 1110. We know where it's at. So right. um, that was a cool thing for me. And like naturally, the next, the next step for you, it seems like, was to begin to build your own roster by a label we call Jamla. And um, I won't give it away, but there seems to be one uh, Jamla artist here that I plan to propose to at some point. But anyway, um, <laughs> <we'll>, uh, <laughs> we want to move to Terrace. Um, and like... <laughs> <laughs> and we got the song for you could do it too. I got you. Yeah. But um even Terrace, like, is that something that you see in your near future to begin to build your own label, build your own following and help you um to um basically further create your vision, you know, through other people. You know, like you 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 have a way that you hear music and I'm sure that you see some people that can help you, you know, you, you see some people, you wanna do some things through those people, kinda like ninth days with people. And I think you do have the ability and the talent to, you know, pull that out of somebody else. But A, is there anybody in particular that you got your eye on or or, or B, do you is that something that you plan to do? Interview. It's definitely something I plan to do. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so finicky. You know, my brain works. I want to do that. You gotta understand that at nine years old, I was paranoid. I was diagnosed with being paranoid, schizophrenic, and bipolar. And so the doctor, and this is this, no, this is some real shit. So it's like, but I really wasn't. I really wasn't. But at that time, they would drive this bus around South Central and test all these black kids and, and tell us we were that. And then they would give us so much fucking lithium that it ended up making us into being like that. So my thought process, saying I'm going to this part now. See, I just switched up on you. Bam, this part. So my thought process, like, I just woke Every morning I wake up saying, I've got to find out. I want to find somebody I can express my... And then I just I started thinking about Taco Bell or some random shit, dog, to where I can't keep my attention span there. But I want to... Um, that's a responsibility, though. When you have an artist, that's a it's, it begins. It's it start. It's not about music at a certain level. It's a responsibility because when you have an artist, it's like you're like the uncle. You're the. It's a lot, and it's like I'm so fucked up on meds sometimes and other weird shit, dog. And life and music to where I just don't want to mislead nobody. So what I like to do is, and I'm gonna have to do this eventually, is settle down, but. Um, uh, it's a few cats out of L.A. that I'm able to do whatever kind of music I want to with. Like Kendrick, I could do whatever I want. He's going to rap on it. I could say do that. He's going to do it. J-Rock, Problem, 
you know, just my whole squad, like they let me experiment and it, it works. I mean, you guys, you guys agree it works, right? It's definitely work. We had a million records on Good Kid, Mad City. Ah. So, <laughs> yeah, good game. In, in, this, in this era for hip-hop, that's, that's crazy. But, um, you know, so I, I, I really want to do that, you know. Just next question, because I'm about to get all deep and cry. Like, oh, I want to do that. I can't. <laughs> awesome. Just wanted to say, we collaborate together. I'm a friend of Taras. My name is Dante Winslow. From Be More. Yes. And uh, you're an amazing musician. We work in the studio together. I want you to tell everybody all the instruments that you play, because you play a lot of them. You play them well. Thank you, man. And, uh, and how much discipline it takes to hold up every ground, producing, rapping, different instruments, and to keep them all at a high level. Yeah, th this seems to be the only thing I do hold up well is the music thing. I've, I'm not a great relationship guy. I'm an okay father. I'm a cool friend here and there, this and that. But because when I was younger, I was so on one all over the place. My mother, oh, we got to take him to the street and take him in. Take, do I do all this? That they stuck a piano in my face and everything. So I kind of, that's the only thing I ever loved hard and really adapted to was the music. So. Uh, when my saxophone was broke, I would play the piano for like 12, 14 hours a day. When the piano was out of tune, I would play drums for 12, 14 hours a day. When the drums was out of tune, I would read books on shape and sound at like 15, 16 years old. I wouldn't read none of the school shit, <laughs> but as, as I read all sound books, Signal Flow, Shape and Sound, Sound Design, and Monster Cody. You guys remember with the Monster Cody book? He was a gangbanger out of L.A., but I was fascinated with gangbanging for some reason, young. Always scary. I never could fight good, but I was fascinated with it. But those particular instruments, took they, they, they still take a lot of time. Like, I'm not even, you know how people say, master this. and I tell people, music is the only thing you will die being a student. You will die being a student. I'm just a student. I'm in, I don't even think I'm in third grade with this music shit yet. You know, because I go to a small town like Omaha, Nebraska, I see a 15-year-old kid playing my saxophone solos back to me better than me. I say, oh, man, I hope you stay out here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, it takes a ton of discipline. Like, this, with music, you can't just hop in. You can hear We all hear the cats that just hopping in and getting cracking. We can hear that because you don't feel it. You don't feel the pulse. For everybody, grab their heart right now. Just grab it. Let me see you grab it. You too, grab it. You have to grab it. You have a heart? Grab it. You feel it? Or oh, let's be quiet for a minute. Do y'all feel that? That's what I feel when I hear certain artists like a Common, a Kendrick Lamar, a Tri Call Quest, an NWA. Um, everybody touch their ear right now. You just touch it. You don't really feel a pulse, do you? When I touch my ear, that's when I hear like a lot of the other music that I hear. It's not that I don't like it. I just don't. It doesn't hit my heart. It hits my ears. And I'm more into music that hits my heart. That's why I give you music that hits your heart instead of your ears. That was dope. Well, you was good. Oh, God, thank you. <laughs> give it up for Terrace, <laughs> Terrace Martin. <laughs>